This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. I hope you and your family had a restful weekend, but now let's take a dive back into the news. But hold on a second. Before we do that, let's stop and take a moment to talk about Fight Laugh Feast Club membership. By joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast Army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portal, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll get discounts to things like our conferences, which, by the way, next year we're going to be at the Ark Encounter, and I'm sure you'll want some sort of discount to that. So, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. Right now, if you've got 10 bucks a month to kick our way, it's fightlaughfeast.com. U.S. has only 25 days of diesel supply. Shortage could cripple the economy. More than it already is, apparently. The United States is down to 25 days of diesel supply as the top White House official declared the stockpile levels to be unacceptably low. Data provided by the Energy Information Administration show that diesel stockpiles are at their lowest level for October in records that date back to 1993, according to a Bloomberg News analysis. EIA data show that the United States, as of October 14th, has 25.4 days of supply, down from 34.2 days of supply four weeks prior. National Economic Council Director Brian Deese, a top advisor to President Joe Biden, told Bloomberg last week that current diesel levels are unacceptably low and that all options are on the table to increase supplies. The diesel crunch comes just over two weeks before the November 2022 midterm elections and will likely drive up prices even more. Diesel is the fuel used by freight trains and commonly used by long-haul truckers to transport goods and food. Prices, meanwhile, remain relatively elevated, according to AAA data. The average price for a gallon of diesel stands at around $5.33 nationwide, or up nearly $2 since the same time in 2021, the data shows. Wholesale diesel prices at the New York spot market spiked last week to no more than $200 per barrel. It comes as the Biden administration recently announced it would release another 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve part of the $180 million Biden authorized in March. That, Republicans say, is a bid to keep Democrats politically afloat ahead of the midterms. But Biden and his allies say it's not a political tactic, and the administration says it will refill the reserve when prices drop to $67 to $72 per barrel. Hey, speaking of Biden, he talked about his fitness recently. Biden on his fitness for office. Quote, I could drop dead tomorrow. I'm not kidding. President Joe Biden responded to questions about his age and fitness for office during an interview that aired Sunday morning by saying that he could, quote, drop dead tomorrow. Biden made the remarks during an MSNBC interview with Jonathan Capehart, where he was asked what he would say to convince voters to stick with him were he to run again in 2024. So let's say Trump doesn't run again. Convince on Gloria that she should stick with you. Well, I think Aunt Gloria should take a look I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace as her? You know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s and all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I, I'm a great respecter of fate. 
I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. But I, you know, in terms of my energy level, in terms of how much I'm able to do, I think people should look and say, is he, does he still have the same passion for what he's doing? And if they think I do and I can do it, then that's fine. If they don't, then they should vote against me. Not against me, should encourage me not to go. But that's not how I feel. I can't even say the age I'm going to be. I can't even get it out of my mouth. Elsewhere, the EU to gift $18 billion to Ukraine next year. The rest will come from the United States. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen spoke after the 27 national EU leaders discussed supporting Ukraine during her second day of their summit in Brussels on Friday. She said the EU has so far sent $19 billion to Ukraine this year. And by the way, in comparison, I think the U.S. has sent over $65 billion to Ukraine. But hey, who's keeping count? Von der Leyen said the EU would finance 1.5 billion euros per month, with the rest expected to come from the United States. During a video link, Vladimir Zelensky addressed the EU leaders, saying Russian missiles and Iranian drones have damaged a third of Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Von der Leyen said the EU was looking to help Ukraine reestablish water, power, and electricity supplies. Zelensky asked the EU for air and missile defense systems and called for new powerful sanctions on Russia and Iran for supplying drones in Moscow's war. Poland and the three Baltic states proposed banning diamond imports from Russia and phasing out the steel trade. Meanwhile, Hungary opposed sanctions against Russia, while Germany and France have said current measures already go far. Zelensky appealed for more and aid pledges to be made at an international conference in Berlin next Tuesday. European Council President Charles Michel, the summit chairman, said that the EU was looking at using Russian assets frozen under sanctions. Estonian Prime Minister Kaja Kallis said seizing assets amounted to some 300 billion euros, while Berlin and others have warned it might be illegal. Kallis also sided with Lithuania for a possible international tribunal to judge possible war crimes committed in Ukraine. Elsewhere, ex-Minneapolis police officer Kung pleads guilty in George Floyd killing a former Minneapolis police officer pleaded guilty on Monday to aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter in the May 2020 killing of George Floyd. J. Alexander Kung's guilty plea will allow one count of aiding and abetting second-degree murder to be dismissed. Kung, who helped restrain Floyd, was also handcuffed who was also handcuffed and knelt on his back during May 25, 2020 killing that was recorded on video. He is the second officer to plead guilty to the state charge. Thomas Lane earlier pleaded guilty for the same count. Their former colleague, Tu Tao, is still scheduled to face trial this week. All three have already been convicted on federal counts of willfully violating the civil rights of Floyd. Lane was sentenced to two and a half years in the federal case, and Kong was sentenced to three years and Tao to three and a half years. Officer Derek Chauvin has already been convicted of state murder and manslaughter charges in Floyd's killing last year and is currently serving 22 and a half years in the state case. Chauvin had pinned Floyd to the ground with a knee on Floyd's neck as he repeatedly said he couldn't breathe. State sentencing guidelines for a person with no criminal record like Kong charge for a range from a call for a range, rather, from about three and a half years to four years and nine months in prison for second-degree unintentional manslaughter. The presumptive sentence is four years. If 
Kong has been convicted of aiding and abetting second-degree murder. He would have faced a presumptive 12 and a half years in prison. Now this. Apparently, you need to be liberal to count as a voice of color. Okay, so despite the fact that the GOP's racist rhetoric hasn't slowed down at all, they've begun hyping up their, get this, diverse candidates. Now, according to numbers provided by the National Republican Congressional Committee, 80 of the Republican incumbents and candidates on the ballot next month are women, 33 are Latino, 28 are black, 13 are Asian, uh, Asian American, and three are Native Americans. But faces of color do not always equate to voices of color. And as our own uh, NBC's Scott Wong points out in his great reporting, the leadership will still be almost entirely composed of white men. So really this sounds more like the political equivalent of some of my best friends are black. Well, joining me now uh, is Lucy Codwell. She's back with us, political strategist, and my pal Michael Steele, MSNBC political analyst and former RNC chairman. And Michael, I'm going to kick it off with you. Because you and I have had this conversation so many times on camera and off camera. Uh, you're you're my my only Republican friend, I think, my friend. Um, so I, here's here's my thing, Michael. Like I said, these are faces uh, of color, not voices of color. The last voice of color I remember being active in the Republican Party was you when when Obama was in office. I mean, I, you at least felt like somebody I could understand and relate to. Um, they seem to hype people who uh, just are not. That was MSNBC host Tiffany Cross, who attacked minority Republican candidates Saturday morning, claiming they were not voices of color. Cross previously hosted Ellie Mistel, who attacked Republican senatorial candidate Herschel Walker of Georgia as a, quote, person who lacks independent thoughts on July 30th. Elsewhere, Michigan teen pleads guilty in school shooting that killed four students. A Michigan teenager on Monday pleaded guilty to murder and terrorism charges in a mass shooting at a high school last year that killed four of his classmates and wounded more than half a dozen other people. Ethan Crumbly, age 16, is accused of opening fire at Oxford High School outside Detroit on November 30th with a handgun that his father purchased for him as a Christmas gift days before the massacre. Two boys, aged 17 and 16, and two girls, aged 17 and 14, were killed, while six other students and a teacher were wounded. Crumbly, who was a 15-year-old at the time of the shooting, pleaded guilty in Oakland County Circuit Court to a total of 24 charges, including one count of terrorism causing death and four counts of first-degree murder. He was also charged with seven counts of assault with intent to murder and 12 counts of possession of a firearm in the commission of a felony. He faces life without parole when he is sentenced. A tentative sentencing hearing is scheduled for February 9th, 2023. Crumbly's lawyers on Monday withdrew an insanity defense notice that they had previously filed with the courts. Now, normally I wouldn't cover something like this because I think it gives glory to the killer. But Crumbly's parents, James and Jennifer Crumbly, also face involuntary manslaughter charges connected to the shooting. In that case, Rochester District Court Judge Julie Nicholson said evidence showed that they had purchased a gun for their son despite signs that he was a, quote, troubled young man. The case appears to be the first in the United States in which parents of a teenage school shooter have been charged with crimes attributed to their child. They have pleaded not guilty. Four days before the shooting, Ethan Crumley accompanied his father to a gun shop where James Crumley bought a 9mm handgun, according to prosecutors. Folks, today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ, the immovable rock. It is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. 
guided by God's word, they take the word back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom. Thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at nsa.edu. That's nsa.edu. And hey, President Merkel will be in studio this week, so tune in for that one. Now, it's time for my favorite topic, sports. And let's talk about some UFC fighting in this one. As Benil Darouche drops, I can't even say the, his, his competitor's name, but he drops him late and secures a unanimous decision victory. Now, it, normally I wouldn't cover something like this, but it's really the ending that did it for me. But Darouche continued his winning ways at UFC 280 while vanquishing his opponent, who had quickly become one of the most talked-about lightweights in the promotion. Showcasing incredible takedown defense combined with a punishing style on the feet, Darouche never slowed down over all rounds as he continued to hammer Gamrot. 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 We'll go with Gamrot with strikes. Late in the third round, Darouche clubbed Gamrot with a huge overhand left that helped him secure the victory as he notched his eighth victory in a row in arguably the toughest division in the sport. The defining strike came with just over a minute remaining as Darouche leveled Gamrot with a huge overhand left and Gamrot dropped to the ground before diving for another takedown to stave off a potential finish. Still, the knockdown was the biggest strike in the fight as Darouche put on another stellar showcase while competing against a less established product in Gamrot. With the win, Darouche moves the match that much closer to title contention. But one of the best parts, as I mentioned before, came for me in Darouche's post-fight interview. Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for decision. The judges score the contest 30-27. 30-27, and 29-28 for the winner by unanimous decision, Bonnell Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Benil Darius. Benil, once again, man, you always step up to fight. It does not matter who. How good does it feel to get a victory over a young up-and-coming fighter like Mateos Gamrot? Uh, I'm sorry, Dana, but I got to take a minute. I need to dedicate this fight. My people in Iran, I know you're struggling. I know you're fighting for freedom. I know it's a tough struggle. I want you guys to know we're praying for you, and we love you. Let me tell you one more thing. This might be the most important thing you'll ever hear. There is true freedom, a freedom that no one can take from you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Don't ever forget that. If you remember one thing I say, remember that. The reason I want to praise him here is because he's praising Jesus Christ in an area of the world where Islam is the dominant religion currently. I'm post-mill, so eventually it won't be. But for the time being, this was a bold statement in the United Emirates. And again, shout out to Darush on that one. Thanks for tuning in for another Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below, as that's like currency for us. If you want to sign up for a club membership, if you want to sign up for a magazine subscription, or you want to sign up for our conference, registration isn't open yet, but stay tuned. Head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference, or if you know a company that would be right for a corporate partnership with CrossPolitik, Email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless. We'll see you next time.